Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Good morning, Vine. Uh, this morning's scripture reading is from John 1, 1 through 4, and verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that had been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Community. I want to begin with a little disclaimer of sorts. We are starting our Advent series this Sunday, and if we're going to be honest, we just need to know that we are one week early in doing so. We own it. We know we're premature in this. Uh, But this year, the fourth Sunday of Advent is Christmas Eve, so that cuts us out of one Sunday, and we're just not going to stand for that. So we're changing the rules, and we're going to get an extra Sunday. Uh, And for those of you who are on your high horse, admit it, you also decorated for Christmas before Thanksgiving, so uh, you are a disgrace as well. (laughs) I know for some in this room, you maybe are new to the Christian experience or to the Christian tradition, or for other people, you didn't practice this thing called Advent. So I just want to take a stop and just kind of talk about what Advent is. For generations and generations, Catholics and Protestants alike have observed the season called Advent. There's several different seasons in the church year. The vine, we really look at two different seasons, and it's Advent and Lent. And this word Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, which means arrival. It means a visitation. This harkens back, of course, to 2,000 years ago where people were, were waiting and hoping for the day in which a Savior would come, where the Savior would arrive in the midst of their needs, in the midst of their darkness, in the midst of their, their longings. And it did so in that sleepy town of Bethlehem. But that idea of at the Advent actually goes deeper than that because if we're honest, we still have longings within our own souls. We still have darkness in this world, and we are still waiting for Jesus to make things right. Even if we're looking at our own personal world, there's probably things within each of us, the longings that we have, where we are still waiting for Jesus to come and to meet us, to arrive, the, the advent of our own souls that we're still holding on and holding dearly. And so uh, this is the season for us to actually sit with that. And that's really important for us. Ad- advent is a season of slowness, of waiting, of quiet, where we get in touch with our deeper longings. And for the church calendar, it actually begins in Advent. It doesn't begin January 1. For the church calendar, it actually begins with waiting on God. So while the rest of the world speeds up with holiday parties and consumerism of Christmas and frantic schedules and festive credit card swiping, Advent actually invites us to do the opposite. This is where, as followers of Jesus, we get to be countercultural in a very gentle way, but really important way for us. We don't speed up with the rest of the world. Advent actually invites us to stop, to slow down. For some people, one practice they have in the season of Advent is to wake up before the sunrise, to remember the darkness that we have in our world, 
with a longing for Jesus to come, for the light of the world to come again. And oftentimes what we find with Jesus, it takes us being attentive and alert because Jesus usually comes in the most surprising ways. So each year, the vine takes a theme for us as we go into Advent, as we go into this season, just for us to experience it in a different way. And this year, we're going to consider one of the great themes of the season, and that is this idea of the incarnation. The incarnation. The incarnation speaks to the reality that when Jesus came, when the Savior came to this world, he did so with flesh and bones embodied like me and you. This word incarnation, for us Texans, it might be easier for us to think about incarnate, you know, like carne guisada, like in meat and bones and flesh. That's how Jesus came to us. In this season for the vine, we're going to walk through this series called Embodied Advent. And the main premise of this season that we're going to be doing together, the main premise of this series, is that our Savior came to us through the human experience, not to save us from it, to show us the dignity, the power, and the beauty of being embodied. Our Savior didn't come to get us out of our body, but to show us what does it mean to be embodied and to walk with God. And now, this is a tricky subject. Maybe some of you are like, oh God, we're going to be doing this for like four weeks. Great. I don't want to, I'll, I'll maybe take a break from this. Because I honestly, I know for many of us, this is a tricky subject because we might have a complex relationship with our bodies. Maybe from unfortunate messages that we've been taught about our bodies or our bodies not working like we would hope that they would or the image obsession that we have in our culture or chronic illness. This can be tricky waters. And I, like some of you in this room, I'm beginning to have a more and more challenging relationship with my body, especially as I age. The way I sit down and the noise I make when I sit down, it's like I achieved something great just with the, uh, like, it's just like I, I actually strained for to be able to have a seat. And, and for me, this, this series for me feels really fitting because I actually want to introduce you to someone. You will see them most Sundays. They are joining our staff. They will sadly be a part of our preaching team. So I want to bring out this, this thing. Uh, guys, will you introduce, I want to introduce you to my readers. I've never worn them before, but Gabe, will you go ahead and bring them out here? Yes. It's a sad day for me. Thank you very much, Gabe. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Guys, this is how I'll look from now on when I preach. How do you think? What do you think? You like it? It's so much better. It's so much better. Look at this. Oh, I can just read it. All right, you can cut off the music. Oh, my God. What's the problem is I can't see you. All right, we'll figure that out later. I choose you. I choose you instead of these words. We have like a complicated relationship with our bodies. And uh, for many of us, we can just dismiss it, ignore that relationship, and just try to be spiritual, right? And because of all the complications in the Christian circles, there's a tendency to ignore our bodies and focus on what? The soul, right? The soul, the spirit, are the place where we connect with God. Even we can say this phrase in Christian circles that maybe you've said or repeated yourself that, we don't have a soul. We are a soul. We have a body, right? I don't know if you've ever heard this before. I've heard it. I know I've said it. And why this is problematic is I've 
grown to become more and more aware. Why this is problematic is that the over-identification with the soul and the dismissal of our body ignores the reality that we are an integrated people. Like we are one person. We are a soul and we are a body, right? We are an emotional being as well. And we can't just, just dissect these parts of us and claim one is good and one is just, you know, unfortunately of the crass part of being human. And that idea, I believe, is subtly doing damage to our relationship with our bodies because the reality is we are a body. We can't sever the two. And this denial is not a new phenomenon. One of the very, very first beliefs in the Christian church that was deemed a heresy in the very early church was this thing called docetism. The early church was trying to figure out how to think and talk about God through Jesus, And they struggled with this question, was Jesus fully God or was Jesus fully a person? And to protect Jesus' divinity or godness, some believe that Jesus just was the appearance of a person, was the appearance of a man, but wasn't fully one. They thought, well, God's divinity and holiness would be marred if Jesus was just like me and you, embodied within a person. But thankfully, the early church saw the problem with that and called it a heresy. There was even writings in the New Testament, they were picking up on this. We find this in 2 John. They were picking up on this problematic belief, and John was speaking out against this. He says this, I say this because many deceivers who did not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. A bit strict there, John. Take it easy, right? But for John, this is a really big deal. If Jesus wasn't fully human, then we truncate the power and the promise that we find in Jesus' life. Another early church father, I believe his name was Gregory, he actually said this, what is not assumable in Jesus is not redeemed in us. If Jesus wasn't fully human, then it actually cuts back the redemption that we experience. So if if we don't assume that Jesus was physically and bodily a person, then it diminishes the deliverance and the hope and the salvation that Jesus can offer us in our own life. We can't sever these two. We can't deny one. And this is the scandal of the incarnation. One of the most scandalous beliefs that we have in the Orthodox Christian confessions is that in Jesus of Nazareth, God became flesh. God was incarnate. This is a scandalous belief because This is the baffling belief because the all-powerful, almighty God in common and ordinary flesh is hard for us to grasp. This is the mysterious paradox that we hold so dearly. We find this paradox in John's gospel, the very beginning. John mirrors Genesis 1 by saying this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word, being Jesus, was with God, and the Word was God. Notice how big that Christ is being depicted here. That Christ was with God in the beginning, was with God, and was God. Christ was with God in the beginning. All things came into being through him. So Christ is the creator of all things. Without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life. And that life was the light of all people. Notice how grand Jesus is being depicted, how glorious and powerful Jesus is. But then, John continues by saying, and the word, being Christ, became flesh 
and lived among us. We have seen his glory, not only in the creation, not only in in the grandness of all the world, but we have seen his glory as from the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth in this embodied person named Jesus. This is scandalous and difficult to believe because Jesus was God's holy presence, and people wanted to think of him as always other, holy, separate, and yet what we find in Jesus is that he ate, he laughed, he defecated, he slept. Christ had a particular voice, a particular sneeze. He went through puberty. He had acne, I'm sure. Doesn't that feel sacrilegious to say? And yet in the season, we also remember that Jesus was an embryo, was born not in some idyllic scene that we might have uh, pictured around our Christmas season, but we also find Jesus was born just like all other people were born bloody and messy with the screams of pain from a teenage mother who's giving birth, not in some sterile hospital room, but in a common stable. Doesn't that feel a little bit hard to hold? Doesn't that feel like you know, a little bit maybe sacrilegious? There's a reason why Christians might have an impulse to overemphasize Jesus' godness and deny his humanity, because it feels wrong. And what I want to ask us is, why does it feel wrong? Why does it feel wrong to see Jesus as common, ordinary, embodied person like me and you. I think it's because we have a distorted view of what it means to be embodied ourselves. Jesus lived the full human experience, and in Advent, we consider the way Jesus came to us, born from a woman. I love how Cole Arthur Riley, she mentioned this in her book, This Here Flesh. She says, she wrote, the story of God becoming body is only matched by God's submission to the body of a woman. That the creator of the cosmos would choose to rely on an embodied creation. To be grown and fed, delivered, God put faith in a body, in Mary's muscles and hormones, bowels and breasts. And when Christ's body was broken and bloodshed, we should hold in mystery that first a woman's body was broken, her bloodshed, in order, in order to deliver hope of the world into this world. Do we see how all of a sudden we have this picture of the dignity in how Jesus came to us through the embodiment of even Mary? Jesus went through the entire human experience like me and you, not so that we could find hope to get out of this body and, and find hope in the other side of death, but also that we could learn what it means to discover and rediscover an embodied spirituality in our own life. Our Savior also came to us to show what it means to be human again. Rather than denying our embodiment, in this season, we're going to do something different. We're going to allow our embodiment to be a way for us to connect with our embodied Savior. That's what this whole series is about. We're going to allow our embodiment to be a way for us to connect with our embodied Savior. Part of this journey will be to de deconstruct so much of how the church has spoke of and taught us about our bodies. Walking alongside many of you in church and having other conversations, I've discovered that many of us have a really distorted view of our bodies because we've been taught to have that view from the church. We've been taught that the physical body is something to go at battle with. This is perpetuated by the unfortunate interpretation of Paul's words that we're called to have war with our flesh. This is in Galatians chapter 5. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit. 
and what the spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. Now, a cursory reading of this means that flesh or body is bad, spirit or soul is good, right? Like, you know, we could easily have this bifurcation where we see that this thing right here, this shell that we have to just carry our soul in is something we have to be at war against. And we know that that kind of understanding has given us religious license to hate and dishonor our flesh and, and body. That mentality has also perpetuated prevalence of purity culture that has wounded our bodies and sexuality. Many of us have been taught to deny our longings and desires, almost as an echo of the experience of Genesis 3, that sexuality is something to be shameful of, and so therefore we are called to hide our bodies. Sadly, this teaching has been propagated mostly to women. If we're honest, like it's been mostly to women. Women are taught that their bodies can cause sin or lust, and so you should hide your body. While at the same time, so much of the church's mentality has been, so much of the women's worth is her beauty. And so that leads to, easily, it's objectification. That teaching, soaked in patriarchy, has wreaked havoc on many, especially women. And also think about this. If we don't value the Imago Dei, the image of God embodied in people, then we easily can start dismissing people whom we don't care for, that we don't value at the same level, the bodies that we don't deem as important. That can lead to denigrating people's bodies that we uh, just choose flippantly that's just second class in this world, whether it be on race or ethnicity or nationality. We can easily dismiss them if we don't hold the dignity given to every body. And for those who are taught that the body was something to deny or ignore, or did you value? I just want to say that I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that that was taught to you. That was taught to you in the Christian vernacular as well. That was taught to you from pulpits and youth groups. Uh, it's just so far from the way of Jesus. If we were to study the life of Jesus, he sought to care and honor the dignity of other people's bodies, especially those who were devalued and oppressed. Jesus used his own embodiment to care for, support, nurture the embodiment of other people. We need to replace the shame that we've given the body with the dignity of what it means to be created in the image of God, created in the image of the embodied Savior. I'm reminded of the psalmist's words in Psalm 139, which reads, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. There's part of us that should walk through this world with this sense of holy reverence for the bodies that we carry. Even as our body's vulnerabilities are exposed through sickness or disabilities, we can still seek to honor and respect the gift of our bodies. Not only because we find it in Scripture, but because our Savior Jesus embodied that as well. To, to be negligent of our, our bodies is to smear the image of God in this world and to distance ourselves from the embodied Savior who slept, who rested, who ate, who cared deeply for the physical health and restoration for all. Even the way that Paul spoke of the body, we need to be reminded of this too, that Paul sought to teach the church this important truth as found in his letter to the church in Corinth. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Do you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, 
whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought with a, at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Rather than this verse being weaponized to give us more shame for how we treat our bodies, what if this verse is also meant to give our bodies dignity and honor that we are the holy temple? These bodies, this, as common and ordinary as these bodies are, are also the place where we meet with God, the sacred location in which the Spirit of Jesus resides. Therefore, we can honor God with this. Author and therapist Hilary McBride, she said that our body is the only relationship that God has given us that will begin at the moment we breathe and be with us in the moment we pass. This relationship, this gift that we have is what we, what we have been bestowed by God for the sake that we can meet with God through the human experience. That God wants us to care for our bodies, to look out for us as these bodies are perfectly designed to care for us, to support us, to let us know when we're healthy, to bring us back to rest and restoration. We must learn to respect and trust our bodies because of the consideration that God has given us through it. We are gentle with our bodies for how they imperfectly carry us, and we're grateful for the parts that do work. We honor our bodies for all the different shapes and colors as they reflect this creative God. So this week, we're going to begin this series. We're going to begin this practice uh, through Advent, uh, this embodied Advent experience. And one of the things about our church is we're practice-based. And so what that means is what we do here in church is, like, really important. But the mainstay of why we exist as a church is not just to come and hear messages and to worship on Sunday, but it's to actually go and be the people of God in the rest of our, rest of our days. And rather than all of us to figure out how to do that on our own, we're going to create practices for us to share together so that we can learn side by side. And so for Advent, we want to be really uh, intentional about what that means. And so we have a couple of practices that we're going to be doing in this season. So the first is that we've created prompts daily that will be texted to us where we can be led and guided through different experiences. Uh, to sign up for that, uh, you have to sign up by texting the number 97,000 and text the word ADVENT 2023. And every morning, you'll be sent uh, different prompts for our practice for that day. So feel free to get out your phones now. If you want to, you can look at your, uh, you can text us, or if you want to, you can check your Instagram scroll real quick and see what's going on in the world. But sign up for this if you guys want that daily t uh, text that our team has put together. Uh, also, we've put together... Matchbooks. Um, we have, this is our matchbooks for our season. As Advent is a time for us to wait on God, one of the things that we're going to encourage is the practice of lighting a candle and having some moments of silence with Christ, of just waiting in Christ's presence. We also have a breath prayer where you can be guided in a, uh, a breath prayer during the season. Um, I like the idea, it came with the idea for me is, you know how people are told to don't play with matches. I thought it'd be funny to be like, don't pray with matches, uh, but I couldn't figure it out, so we just, just kept it with this. So grab a matchbox on, on the way out and encourage you guys to have that daily time with your candle and your breath prayers with Christ. Uh, we also have something for our families. Did I see like a family advent wreath? Caitlin, do you have it? Oh, perfect. So for our families with little ones, we have an advent wreath where you can do this with your kids, and have conversations around uh, Advent as a family. And then finally, we'll have some very meaningful worship services 
during this season, uh, including our Christmas Eve service, which is on this year, it's going to be on December 24th. Um, and it's going to be at 5 p.m. Subtle joke. So stupid. Uh, so, uh, yeah, this, December 24th here in this room at 5 p.m. We also twice a year are kicked out of the text fed for, like, longstanding reservations. And one of those is on December 10th. So this is another reason why we wanted to start Advent a week early is because we're also missing another Sunday. So um, on December 10th, we're not meeting as normal. Instead, we're going to do something called Table Church where our community is going to break up into uh, a lot of different homes and restaurants where we're going to gather around a table, and we're going to have a very simple and short liturgy together as we share a meal. And I think on that day, we're going to be talking about uh, the gift of food and how the food is a way for us to care and nurture our bodies. And so um, you'll see more information about the different locations where we'll have Table Church on that Sunday, December 10th, so look for that. Also, if you would like to host... Uh, a table church at your home. If you have the gift of hospitality and wouldn't mind having a bunch of chairs be pulled into your home, uh, let us know. We'd love to include you in hosting one of those. So reach out for us and then save the date. So that's December 10th. Those are the practices we're doing during the season of Advent. Does that sound good? Okay, awesome. So God's work, just to kind of just close this up, God's work is to not get us out of our body. God's work is not for you to get out of your body. Just take a moment right now. Look at your hands. Look at the hands. Notice the wrinkles. Maybe the markings. The scars. The fingertips. Take a moment and think about the people who held these hands. who brought you through this world? Think of where these hands have taken you, what they've experienced, where they're playing in the sand on the beach, making awesome food for people, loved ones for what they have created, how they've served people. Think of the moments where these hands came together in prayer. Now think of this. Christ, the Almighty God, had hands just like these. And everything that we find that he did in the Gospels, he did through hands just like yours and like mine. Touching the leper, breaking the bread in the upper room, grasping on his mother's finger and holding it tightly. Embracing the lonely. There's power in being human. There's power in being embodied. And God's work is not to get you out of your body. Jesus wants to bring into fullness of healing 
and restoration, and that includes your body and all of its beauty and all of its brokenness. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and the Word is still among us and in your body today. In this season, may we learn to bring the fullness of ourselves to the healing and restoring power of our embodied Savior, Christ. Let me share a prayer. God of the incarnation, you who let your body be formed and birthed before forming and caring for others, you who let your body be broken before being raised, grant us imagination to bless even the breaking and the groaning and the battling within our own bodies as the brave beginnings of our own resurrection, that in the beating of our hearts and the breath within our chest, that we would sense the pace of practicing the exhale of everything that's holding us back, all the shame, all the self-contempt, and instead learn to inhale Christ's love, Christ's mercy, Christ's grace, so that we can embody this mercy, grace, and love in this world. Amen. We hope you found this message encouraging. If you would like to learn more about The Vine, get connected to our community, or contribute financially to The Vine's ministry, go to our website at thevineaustin.org.